I'm super curious if if Elon Musk will try to bring in the edit button. Like, I, I doubt that will ever occur because Jack will just like be so against that. But who, who knows? I would I would hate to see the edit button. I think it's so important to have. You know, because you, you, it really forces you to think and craft the messages. You can't just like spitball and, and shoot from the hip. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explain, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Jeff, Elon Musk just called. He's buying us out for $4.20 per share. Are you in? Sold. Uh, But like all two of our shares? So that's like $8.40 total, right? It's a pretty big acquisition. I know. I think our shares are actually listed in Philippine pesos too. So we're Yikes. looking at like $0.19 cents per uh, on the dollar. So Solid. Value creation. Uh, today's show, we're talking about Twitter, a social media platform meant to share and comment on thoughts. And they even call themselves a microblogging platform. Yeah. And you had a question mark there, but you have the best mini intros. But I, I think like for the audience warning here, this episode is going to be a little bit different, not too much different than our, our usual format. But uh, the first reason being, A, I just got a puppy. So I definitely have puppy brain. So I might have some more typos. And I you know went off with a bigger, you know, what is Twitter section. Um, and the second is, I think we'd be really remiss if we didn't talk about the recent purchase of Twitter. So it's uh, Sunday, May 8th, 2022, and Twitter was just uh, purchased on April 25th, which we'll we'll get into. So uh, as Jeff mentioned, Twitter is a social media company, and it was purchased by Elon Musk for $54.20 per share. Elon had to get the $4.20 in his price purchase price, which is funny. But this is going to take the company private at a valuation of $44 billion. So Still pending of approval, dollars. right? Yeah, I think it actually, the, the board approved it. And right now it's just waiting for be, shareholder approval, right? Yeah, I, I can't remember like where, where it exactly is. Um, but I think the biggest hurdle was actually getting over the board, which is kind of crazy. Mm. But this $44 billion is a 38% premium over the April 1st, uh, 2022 share price. So um Jeff, off the cuff, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I, Elon is an evil genius, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, whatever he does, um, he does it in a way that is going to accomplish his goals um, at the stake of like a lot of different people. I mean, I think most people probably can argue that SpaceX is ground changing and the space private space travel industry. Tesla's obviously like shifted the world in terms of EVs. But at the same time, like a lot of people don't really like Elon himself and like the way he does things. So I'm curious about how this is going to change social media specifically. And it's just a weird forte, right? Like he's been kind of this science and technology kind of person. And who would have thought he would have dipped his toes into social media? So we'll see how things go. I will say that like I wasn't an extremely heavy Twitter user before. Like a lot of social media, I'm a lurker. I like go and read (laughs) things that people say. And it's a good place to get really quick information. And I've mentioned before, like access is really valuable in today's day and age. And Twitter is like one of the most successful platforms where you can reach out to, you can literally tweet at Elon and see what it says. You know, he's replied back to more random people than me just asking about whatever. So it's an interesting move. I, I mean, like part of me wonders like how much of this is for personal gain for just like him wanting to be able to say whatever he wants or having control over it and so we'll see how things go but knowing Elon he he's very much a hands-on type of person 
And I and I think that that reflected recently in uh, like for example Tesla share prices had yep. taken a dip a little bit because people were concerned about well how much is Elon going to be able to focus on Tesla with you know if he has to split some time and, and focus on Twitter which is you know Elon is notorious for like he would fly from Hawthorne California to Fremont and like run two companies uh, and and now it's three <laughs> and now it's three right so I mean he's got other smaller companies like boring companies yeah, et cetera. yeah. but yeah like this is like one of the, another major company to add to his plate and. He's only human, right? Or maybe. <laughs> maybe he's not. <laughs> right. but, yeah. Um, no, so that- it's super interesting, man. Uh, it, it's like, I think you hit like a, a ton of the points I wanted to. And for me, like the first thing I wanted to just break down for our audience is just like the financing. And, you know, how do you come up with $44 billion? And, you know, Elon Musk is, you know, the world's richest man, if not the second, depending on the, the share price of Tesla. But much of his fortune is tied up in shares of Tesla. So, the details of how he's going to come up with this $44 billion isn't fully out yet, but a ton of this is built off of leverage of Musk's shares in Tesla. So that basically essentially means he's mortgaging Tesla to buy Twitter. So you called it out earlier, Jeff, of like, hey, Tesla's stock went down is because, you know, yep. X percent of the company now is being leveraged <laughs> to purchase Twitter. So I don't know the exact uh, you know details yet. They're not out yet, but let's call this a third of the deal is Tesla uh, shares. Uh, the other part, the other third, we'll call it Elon selling other shares or personal wealth, just cash that he has laying around, mm-hmm. like who has, you know, 14, 15, 16 billion dollars laying around. Elon Musk does. <laughs> and then the last part is a growing syndicate of investors that are throwing a couple hundred million dollars here or there from Andreessen Horowitz to 500 million from Binance. But the finances are just dicey when you start to dive even deeper into this is like, hey, like, why would you actually make this from a financial decision, um, as opposed to just kind of like the meme of like, I want free speech or whatever other Mm. reasons that that, you know, you kind of laid out there. But looking at Twitter in 2020, they posted a net loss of $1.14 billion. That's billion with a B. That's a lot of money to lose for a publicly traded company. In 2021, that Loss reduced by about a billion, but still you're losing $221 million, which is a great improvement. And that was driven by a really healthy 37% increase um, year over year to a revenue of $5.08 billion. So that's really good. And, you know, I'll caveat that as well, that in 2021, that they also wrote off about $750 million to a class action lawsuit. So if you mm-hmm. remove that, that net loss of 221 million goes up to a net positive of 500 million. But what really kind of scares me about this deal from a financial like aspect of this is that whatever third of money that Elon Musk isn't able to come up with, so let's call it, you know, 10, 15 billion dollars, you basically need to pay mortgage payments on that <laughs> on that payment and that's going to be a huge albatross around Twitter's neck of just like moving forward. Like how do you, you know, go private and you immediately have to have like $400 million a year. I'm just throwing out numbers here. That's just going to eat into your net profit. So that I think is just super, you know, tricky to me. Like the one angle that I heard on the pivot podcast that I really like, like in terms of like where Twitter could go is becoming a super app. So think like, we'll get this to this later in the competitors, but a company like WeChat and Jeff, we should totally do WeChat at some mm-hmm. point in the future with <laughs> uh, product explained, but I see like three legs to the super app stool. So the first is social media, which Twitter has. The second is daily financial transactions. So you'll be able to like pay people. So think like adding a Venmo to to WeChat. And the third to a super app would be like some sort of general API app platform that you can build apps on top of the app. So it's a little bit nascent for Twitter. Like Twitter does allow some of those features for building a platform. But I think like if you kind of look at some of the current syndicate 
people participating rather in, you know, all of this like extra money that Elon's trying to shake the hat around for 500 million of that, like I said, came from Binance, a fintech blockchain company. So I could totally see Binance doubling down into this Twitter investment and trying to grow into this huge super app for for Tesla. So anyways, that was long. Back to your regular scheduled Twitter explained episode, but just kind of wanted to tease out some of the, the details of, you know, what was going on. Because, you know, like I said, if we didn't touch on this, I think it'd be a huge miss for our audience. Jeff, anything else to add there with Twitter financing or thoughts on the Elon Musk acquisition? Yeah, I think that what's interesting is that... Um a lot of people are thinking about the the Twitter acquisition from a freedom of speech thing and, you know, primarily from a U.S. centric uh, point of view. But, you know, like Twitter is a global company. Twitter is being used by people all over the world. And then the fact that Binance is investing in at 500 million, Binance is a, a Chinese owned company, right? When you kind of dig into like who's paying the bills, some of that, hey, we're going to make this a First Amendment platform uh, for U.S. users kind of crumbles a little bit. If you kind of think about like who's actually going to be on the board making decisions, like who who's behind <laughs> behind yeah. the curtains, like you know paying for paying for the bills, right? So I think it's just something to think about. Now it's very it's very Jeff Bezos of you. I don't know if you saw Jeff Bezos tweeted about you know Elon Musk and he's like, what's the implications of China now? So it's super interesting that you call this out too. I think Jeff's just mad that he's like not the richest man anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean you know from a third person perspective, when I think about this, like part of it is probably ego driven where elon oh, wants sure. to what right like oh, but there is sure, probably man. another part of this where elon is someone who likes taking challenging problems and putting the, you know the elon way of figuring out how to solve these great issues which i, is, I think is in the and of itself way is just like, burnout you know it's just like <laughs> you know what i mean go through as many people as possible exactly. maybe but i mean like there are some silver linings here right i think people want a platform like twitter where you can freely share information but I think the way that people are concerned about it is just kind of interesting. Like, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I just don't buy that, though. I mean, like, Twitter is like free speech. Like, you know, unless like you're violating the terms of service because Twitter is a company that has yeah, yeah. terms of service that you're like. I think people are to. just concerned that it's going to go really far one way or the other and become like uh, like a parlor where it's like very closed door. So I don't know. I'm just kind of curious about where that's going to end up. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I still don't buy it just looking at like the finances, but yeah, I think we can debate that until the, the cows come home. Let's just talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the, the Twitter customer experience, you know, for those that have not used Twitter before. I'm going to assume that many of our audience has a basic level of understanding of Twitter, but I actually appreciate that Twitter has a help center, which I thought was funny and a new user FAQ. So they have some key, you know, hard hitting questions like what is Twitter? Do we need anything special to use it? What's a tweet? How can I send updates? What's a retweet? How do I post a picture? How do I edit a, a tweet? And spoiler alert, you can't edit a tweet, which I love. But essentially, if you go to twitter.com, you can see a live stream of people that you follow. So friends, family, coworkers, whomever, you know, celebrities. I'm super big into sports. So I always follow a ton of people that are either the Buffalo Bills or NFL. And then the other like half that I follow is like, all like sustainability and clean technology. So it's, it's really strange dichotomy of who I follow. But w- what's really interesting about Twitter is that you can find these communities of people. And I find that there's, they're kind of like mini echo chambers, but you can kind of see where all like the crossover begins. And, you know, someone will say something that's super witty and it'll go viral. And it's usually this, this comedian. So anyways, it, it's just like a social media, but it's text-based. What's really interesting about Twitter and where how it got started is that it was character constrained. 
And Jeff, you're gonna have to keep me honest here. Was that 144 characters? I think around yeah, like around 140 is about right. Yeah, oh yeah, 140. That's right. And so that was like when Twitter first started off. It was you were limited to just really concise blurbs, like little tweets, is what you call it, your post on Twitter. And they recently increased that to 280 um, characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so super fascinating. I think it's really nice because you are forced to just really get concise of like the the point that you're trying to get across like hey you can't write this like giant email and giant novel you have to just you know be super pithy and say one two three this is what i want to do it's interesting lately over the past year i've seen tons of threads on twitter so people are getting around this and you know we've also tried that on our product explained thread so we actually have this thread on fantasy football but i think threads are actually interesting too because if you do want to have that like blogging aspect and go deeper you still have to summarize your tweet at the top of like, hey, like this is what I'm going to be threading about over the next five, 10 um, tweets. And then you have like like tweet four, tweet five, tweet six, tweet seven, so on and so forth, explaining what the thread is about. But yeah, that's that's the customer experience in a nutshell and you know, getting everyone up to speed as well on the most recent acquisition of Twitter. Yeah. And I just want to like comment on the character limit and the thread topic. So One thing that we've talked about before is that like sometimes when you limit people, it creates this very interesting uh, like user dynamic. A lot of times people or product companies will like give, give, give. um, And sometimes actually limiting things like character limits will make people experience something really differently. And in this case, like people are a lot more thoughtful about what they say. And even though they can thread within each tweet, they have to kind of like summarize it into a point. And it can't just kind of like ramble on. I generally like that about Twitter. I know that they've expanded to 240. I think they probably did some experimentation about how well that helped. But clearly they didn't make it unlimited to where people are writing like long blocks. There was like outside companies like TwitLonger where you can write these like very long posts. And like I think it just sends it as like an image or something um, where people could just like read the image instead. Which again, another novel idea. But Overall, the idea of being really short and concise is like core to Twitter's user mechanic. Um, Let's shift gears and talk about just the high level history of Twitter. There's a lot to unpack. Um, I'm staring at our sheet here and you got got some nice blurbs there. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to take you from 2006, which Mike and I were in high school at the time, to 2022. To to where we're at today. But I'm going to give you some high level. Why would you date us like that, Jeff? How (laughs) dare you? Yeah, I actually didn't know that Twitter was around at the time. I'm sure. Same. I had no idea. Cool. So in 2006, the idea of Twitter actually spawned from this company called Odeo, which was a podcast company. And Odeo wasn't getting much traction. And Twitter, the name was actually TW, like TR, without the vowels. That was very hip for 2006, actually. For sure. Um, And the original idea was just a simple like SMS idea to share statuses. And there was like a core group of folks that obviously ended up going on to, to running Twitter. But that idea was um, created by like Jack Dorsey, Noah Glass, Evan Williams, and Biz Stone. Dorsey was actually attributed as like the main concept creator. And Noah Glass was the one who was attributed with naming the company Twitter. Um, so just to kind of give you some idea there. I don't know when Facebook started doing statuses instead of posts, but I wonder if this aligned very well with that, where statuses was starting to become a thing, right? It feels like, it feels like the same time frame. Yeah. And actually, I, I think there was also statuses in MySpace, that's also dating us. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this idea of like really short blurbs around like what is going on? What are you doing right now? Um, what I appreciate about the Facebook is like it said like, you know, it would say like, Jeff Lee is 
yeah. dot, 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 or yeah. like Mike Alcazarin is dot, dot, dot. And it was kind of like that prompt of like, oh, like I'm currently like, like Mike Alcazarin is currently shopping, you know, like, and it was like that supposed to be that literal status of what you, what you are doing. And they eventually went away from that. But I thought that, thought that was interesting. Yeah. And to your funny. point, Jeff, of like that constraint. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because when they went away with that constraint, some people were still manually typing yep. in is because it was like part of the, I guess, the Facebook aura at the time. Okay, so Twitter eventually was under the leadership of Jack Dorsey. We know that it had grown tremendously, but it didn't start out that way, obviously. Dorsey had sent his first tweet out on March 21st, 2006. And then nobody was really using Twitter, except for kind of the first, like, I guess, like, micro bump in usage was there was, like, a small earthquake in California, a 4.4 on the Richter scale. And that helped users tweet about it. And there's, like, basically... Uh, demonstrated Twitter's power as like a live event, um, you know, stream, which I thought was really cool. Like you have a bunch of people that are like, hey, did anyone hear about this earthquake? Or hey, you know, so and so. And then you can search on that tweet. And it's kind of cool to get like a bunch of signals from a bunch of different people tweeting about the same event, which I thought was really interesting. I feel like that's a huge part of Twitter now is like, yeah, especially around like sporting events. Like that's when I use Twitter the most. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. In like heavily usage is like the Buffalo Bills are playing and I'm like, what is happening? Like, and I'll just tweet something random. Like, can you believe that play? And like other people are like responding back to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool way to connect with people that you wouldn't have never connected with before. And I also like sometimes like if I notice something about, let's say uh, a sports game or an interview or something on TV, something really, I don't niche, like something that happens in the background, I'll like tweet about it and see if anybody, or I'll at least search the tweets and see if anybody commented on the same thing. Like, oh, did you notice so-and-so picking their nose in the background? (laughs) Uh, So it's stuff like that that's also really fun and interesting. So so Twitter tried to have like a grand launch at uh, the Love Parade, which is an electronic dance festival in 2006, but it fizzled out. It only got 100 new signups, which is, you know, really, really sad. You could have argued that maybe Twitter decided to like hang it up and, and stop creating the product, but much like many, uh, you know, startups at the time, they, you know, kept pushing through and, and seeing what happened. Um, so in 2007, they actually announced Twitter at South by Southwest, and they saw tremendous growth. And then obviously, later on that year, Twitter would spin up into its own company. So the thing about South by Southwest, that's really interesting. If people aren't familiar, it's a like a technology slash education slash music festival uh, that happens in Austin, Texas every year. Um, and it's kind of like this, like up and coming very new beacon of like, kind of like a major conference. Um, but people were gathering for multiple things, right? So it's like tech infused with culture. So I thought that that was really cool that they just had like a, the right audience, you know, at South yeah. by Southwest where they're interested in trying new things. Um, they're at this very, uh, I'll call it like event driven type of circumstance where, hey, maybe I spotted this famous celebrity walking down the street at South by Southwest. I want to tweet about it and people can go um, and find that thing. So I thought that was all really interesting. And totally. um, and I think it's just like the right environment for Twitter to grow. Um, just like a candid note, I have been to South by Southwest a ton of times. I started going in college like sometime around like 2009. And I went for like, I don't remember, like six or seven years straight or something like that until the pandemic. Maybe it was longer than that. Um, I, I've kind of lost track. But uh, yeah, South by Southwest, you know, is a blast. And I can definitely see why Twitter would have been really successful in its early days at South by Southwest. For sure. And even like during that time in like 2007, like my memory serves me that that was like when like Foursquare was a thing and Foursquare mm-hmm. was like checking yeah. in at places. But I feel like with Foursquare, you couldn't really close the loop of like commenting back to people. But with Twitter, it feels like 
you know, super dynamic where it's like you can tweet and like argue with someone back and forth instantaneously yeah. and and or discuss like something instantaneously, which is great for today's super divided politics. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, those people that have been at South by Southwest, it's like uh, just a melting pot of like growth hacking marketing techniques. So I'll give you an example. Um, 7-Eleven was doing this thing where if you tweeted your cross streets, somebody on a bike would come with a fresh pizza. And they'd give you a free pizza. <laughs> and we did that. Um, oh, so it was God. like just stuff like that. That's like very cool and like techie. And like it was funny because we would game. We were like broke college kids. But we were like game the system. And each of us would tweet. So we would get a pizza per person uh, at these cross streets. So yeah, it's just another kind of interesting thing. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it's great. So in 2008, you know, after this like kind of spike in growth, Evan Williams took over as CEO over Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey actually stepped out a couple times, so just kind of caveating that right now. I know he's kind of like the figurehead, but um, I don't know if he's <laughs> actually like, you know, really thought about being CEO for a super long time. Uh, in 2009, Evan Williams had appeared alongside Ashton Kutcher on Oprah's show to kind of explain what Twitter was. And again, we're hearing that name Ashton Kutcher. It was, you know, if you haven't yeah, listened man. to Product Explained, he's a regular personality that we mentioned on the show he's invested in a lot of companies um feels like 10 percent of our episodes are like touched by ashton kutcher yeah and maybe that's what we'll change our name to uh touched by ashton kutcher like <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like it's gonna get us in some trouble um yeah <laughs> so in 2010 uh this is really cool i really appreciate this factoid the first quote-unquote unassisted off-earth twitter message was posted from the international space station by u.s astronaut tj creamer so Basically, the first Twitter that was originated from space uh, was set in 2010. So I thought that was a cool That's so one. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. and also That's why Elon Musk is buying Twitter. <laughs> I know. He's trying to tweet from Mars. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which he could do anyways. But So in 2010 as well, uh, Williams, the CEO at the time, steps down and is replaced by Dick Costolo, who was CEO for a couple more years. Um, just to give you some growth numbers, kind of in the middle of Twitter's growth, probably during like, you know, the, the hyper phase of some of these unicorn startups in 2012, Twitter had... 120 million users and 300 million tweets per day so around three tweets per user which i think is actually like really strong indicator of growth and i would probably argue that like people that use twitter today are probably um like it's probably split into people like us that might be lurkers and then people that are like hyper tweeting right like they're tweeting for yourself very very a lot (laughs) (laughs) um so that i think that's part of the allure of like microblogging right it's easy to send out like one tweet uh, and just like mention something versus like it's hard to like think about and draft and edit a a very long blog post. Just gets me thinking of the, like I feel like that not thinking about tweeting is what got Trump banned, but that's a whole different ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So in 2012, uh, Twitter had acquired social media platform Vine, which this is another throwback, and I think we should do an episode on Vine one day. But Vine was a very early short form media entertainment, like v- short video clip type. Uh, company think about like tiktok but i guess before it's time like maybe it was a little too early so twitter had acquired vine which i actually didn't know and then in 2013 twitter had ipo'd and uh on the day that they ipo'd they closed at 31 billion dollars of valuation so pretty successful ipo in 2015 they also acquired periscope and i didn't use periscope that much but i also thought periscope was like kind of like vine like another short form (laughs) media (laughs) so i wonder what twitter was trying to do at that time um like if they're like they're early but yeah they're they're spot on with video man yeah and they have stories today right so maybe this is like what they're trying to end up doing is some sort of short form offering for uh, people that are trying to do micro blogs but maybe in the video format 
And just um, the thought, like, while you're, like, like that I saw, I almost, like, saw a graph in my head. I'd love to see, like, the adoption of smartphones as well as, like, the adoption of 4G mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. Twitter's, like, growth. Because I feel like they were super early. You know, like, they were yeah. – but, like, there wasn't enough critical mass to support, like, Vine and Periscope because not everyone had, like, you know, a really well-connected smartphone anywhere with a, with a nice screen. Yeah, Twitter is definitely meant for, like – the microblogging culture is definitely meant for mobile use, right? Um, it's like designed for mobile. So totally. um, Jack Dorsey had returned as CEO over Dick Costolo in 2015. Just another interesting tidbit. I know this is like kind of part of today's discussion, but in 2015, Twitter had launched a political transparency page. So people were already kind of thinking about how are folks kind of like conversing on Twitter? How does free speech kind of flow? And Twitter had kind of officially had a point of view on how they moderated, you know, political uh, conversations and speech. Um, in 27, the character limit doubled from 140 to 280 characters. Mike, you mentioned that earlier. And I think that was like a pretty major change in For sure. uh, like the user experience. Um, and then two last tidbits in 2021, they had their first trial of a downvoting feature, which is something that people have asked for across a lot of social media platforms. And then in 2022, of course, um, Elon Musk and the Twitter board reached a deal to acquire the company for $44 billion and take it private. Still pending, I think, regulator and, and shareholder approval. But as Mike said, like they probably you know went over the major hump here. Yeah, Elon Musk laughs at the SEC. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> it's like funding acquired. I'll do whatever I want to. Right. Oh man, if anyone else like did this, like I, I just no idea. But yeah, super interesting. I, I feel like the like I, I'm I'm super curious if if Elon Musk will try to bring in the edit button. Like I, I doubt that will ever occur because Jack will just like be so against that. But who who knows? I would I would hate to see the edit button. I think it's so important to have. You know, because you, you, it really forces you to think and craft the messages. You can't just mm-hmm. like spitball and, and shoot from the hip. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Twitter and who they're for. So this was surprising to me at first. But when I looked at it, it makes sense. Like Twitter is 70 po- 70.4% male, which is just wild to have, you know, yeah. seven out of every 10 people on the platform as a man. 23% of U.S. adults are using Twitter, which means in Q4 of 2021, it was about 38 million daily active users on the platform in the US. And so what what I find interesting about this whole like freedom of speech like discussion is like it's only affecting a relatively small part of Twitter's daily active users. So worldwide Twitter has 229 million users, so like just quick math that's like 14-15% probably. And so they're really kind of cutting off like the the nose despite the face here to really anchor to like freedom of speech and like this is all like why we're why we're doing this and it, I think it has to go down to like finances of like can you for this acquisition to be profitable can we take Twitter and really make it super basically double evaluation I, I have no idea mm-hmm. but as you mentioned Jeff I think in, in your history is like many people use Twitter pretty frequently. And I also imagine like, and I, I couldn't find any data on this, what the distribution of usage looks like, but I have to imagine that it looks very much like a barbell where you have yep. 50, 50% we'll call this segment Jeff's don't tweet. And then you have the other 50% we'll call these segments Mike. And so they're, they are tweeting. So, and that grocks with this data, data point of 46% of Twitter users are actually tweeting daily. And so this is where we need like a, a soundboard, Jeff, because Average revenue per user has come up pretty frequently throughout this <laughs> throughout this show, and mm-hmm. so I'd love to just like hit a- ARPU, which is you know how much revenue that you're bringing in per user. So it's definitely growing at Twitter. I know we, 
previous data that we had was closer to like $30 per user back in like 2020 and 2021. But the latest data that I could find is it's about $65 per user. So um, really good growth to get $65 per user. And many of the, much of that's coming from advertisements because Twitter's in the, the business of, of eyeballs and just getting you to stay on the platform, engage on the platform, stay on it so they can surface better ads for you and, and to you. And we'll, we'll t- talk a little bit about competitors right now, but just highlighting some of like the the millions of users and if not billions of users. So Twitter is on the relatively small end for uh, social media companies. So to contrast at the top, you have like Facebook at 2.9 billion users. You have YouTube at 2.5, WhatsApp at 2.3, Instagram at 2.1. Those are just massive numbers. That's like mm-hmm. literally like one or, or you know two sevenths of the world <laughs> that are on these, these platforms. Yeah. And then Twitter is all the way down there at 0.21. So it's about you know, 10% the size of Instagram, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, not surprising, but it's also means that there's a ton of growth that Twitter could potentially tap into with the Elon Musk acquisition. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, I think it is actually surprising because when you think about Twitter, the barrier of entry is to me lower than Instagram. Like with Instagram, people will engage with uh, like media, like video and photo media, a lot more heavily, but it takes more effort to put together, right? You have to take a good mm-hmm. photo, maybe take a bunch of photos, do some editing, add some filtering, do, put some music on it. Like making content in short form video or, or pictures is like a completely different game than like yeah. writing. And so like it's much easier to write your thoughts. Maybe it's not easy to be a concise writer and to get your point across, but like the bear of entry to just writing some text versus like finding the right picture to edit and and submit is like very different. So I'm actually surprised that Twitter doesn't have more users because it's just easy to tweet. I say that as someone like myself who doesn't tweet that often. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I just like that's that to me is what's what's really interesting is that like I would have expected because the actual mechanisms of like creating content are lower and easier to do. Like there's less hoops to jump through. That that to me just seems like I, I don't know why there's not more more users on the Twitter platform. So yeah, I, I'm I'm curious about that, and I also wonder like obviously Elon ha- had this opportunity to to buy Twitter, but like what would have made more sense to me is like a, another platform like Facebook or I guess Meta like purchasing and acquiring Twitter, and they never really I don't know if they never, but like it didn't seem like they considered doing that. Probably the main issue is like regulatory, like antitrust, yeah, antitrust issues. for sure. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of curious about like why other people didn't consider uh, you know adopting or acquiring Twitter. I'm actually yeah. surprised that it's like even below Reddit and Snapchat and Pinterest. Like I'm very shocked that there's less Twitter users than there are Pinterest users. Like you, when you think about Twitter, you think of it as like very high up there on like the social media hierarchy, but it's actually not that case. Like uh, there's more t- Pinterest users and than, than yeah than Twitter users, which blows my mind. I, I think what go, like what that comes down to though is like is the type of user where it's like all these platforms that are visually heavy it is okay to be a lurker, you know, where you can just kind of like scroll through an app and just like be entertained and like constantly come back. But for people that want to tweet, like my hypothesis is that they also want to uh, not just consume the tweets, but they also want to tweet, you know, they want to like, you know, get their opinion out there too and, and engage with the platform. And mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, much easier to do that. So you're going to engage a little bit more. So maybe that's some of the dichotomy, the dichotomy rather that's coming out here is that the the barrier of entry on 
lurking is also higher for, for Twitter just because you want to have that engagement back and forth. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'd love to be on the other side and be able to, yeah, <laughs> peek under the hood here. Yeah. Um, let's just quickly chat about the competitors. I think we've talked a little bit at, at nauseum about them, but Facebook, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Reddit, Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok. I see these all on your list here. YouTube, WhatsApp, you know, all these social media platforms that have people on there engaging, talking with others, conversing, sharing ideas, content, etc. And Twitter's all the way at the bottom. So, I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're probably not surprised now when we look at the usage, the revenue, the ARPU, and all these things around um, like Twitter success and saying, okay, like this makes sense now why Twitter is like being able, like in this position where th- they are on the acquisition front, right? Without all being said, like it, it makes a lot of sense that somebody sees a potential in Twitter, like Elon sees a potential <laughs> in Twitter is like, I, I can turn this ship around. Yeah, we'll start putting sponsored ads in boring company. I have no idea what what, what he's going to do. It'll it'll be super interesting. I'm not an Elon Musk doubter. I actually like really like Elon Musk and what he is able to do with like space travel and renewable energy. He's just gone. I feel like Twitter has given this platform to just kind of elevate his like eccentricity. So anyways, we can talk about our thoughts. Like I'm happy to kick this off. I think Twitter has really good product market fit. Like you know, especially to make it out of like the 2006, 2007 timeframe and to, to still still be around. I feel like that was kind of a bloodbath for, for social media. And even, even if they don't have the highest level of users, like I feel like Twitter really knows which users they're going after I and mean, all the functionality and features that they, they've built and added over the time. So I really like that. Don't really like with the platform though, is like, sometimes I feel like I, the algorithm puts me too much in a bubble. And this is just a general social media like problem where, you know, if you're right leaning or if you're left leaning or if you're in this like in the center, like and you try to like lean towards one way, you're just going to be put into that echo chamber of the side. Yeah. So I don't know what the answer is, is, is for that. And like I said, it's not just a, a Twitter problem, but um, I'm super curious to see what this looks like with Elon Musk at the helm and him pushing for like, quote unquote, m- more free speech, because I really don't see Twitter not having free speech, but Maybe that's because I'm more left-leaning. Who knows? I have no idea. But overall, I'm going to call Twitter like a 4.05. It's just above the four-star bar because I'm a heavy user for it. I think where it misses is like, you know, I find myself just like going into engagement troughs. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I don't, I I stop using it, but I'll go like heavy usage and then I'll kind of like taper back into it or taper back down. And then I'll see a tweet and then just be like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. I have all these thoughts here. But yeah, 4.05 for me. Nice. Yeah. I think for me, I'm probably going to give it closer to like a 3.8, like just under a four. We talked about before, for me, a four is like, this is replaceable with another social media platform. And I definitely am on like the lower end usage of Twitter. In fact, if I look at this list of competitors here, I definitely use all these other platforms more, including like Instagram is probably one of the highest for me and, and LinkedIn. And, you know, I, I'm a lurker on Reddit. I've actually made some posts on Reddit too, just like asking questions. Quora is another one. Um, and I just don't, feel like I use Twitter that often, I do see a lot of value in it in very specific moments. Like, hey, like something literally just happened in the past hour. I want to see what people are saying about it. That to me is like really interesting. But I agree with you. I do feel like discovery is like oddly really hard on Twitter. Like if I'm looking for new personalities to follow uh, or to listen to, I feel like it's really hard. Like I don't find that many new people. Like I end up, Twitter ends up showing me the same people that I'm already following, trying to like go down this engagement model. And I sometimes I want to see what fresh perspectives are saying or what other people are saying. And it doesn't really do a great job of of that. So I I think that's the trouble that I have is that like, I get really bored on Twitter sometimes. Like, 
you know, I don't want to hear the same takes from the same people. And I've even like followed people and like gotten to the point where I get so sick of hearing from them that I unfollow them. So like, it's kind of like this <laughs> anti-pattern, right? Because you're not giving me enough variety and you're not uh, making good recommendations. I end up just like hearing the same things over and over. And I'm someone that's like, I'm not someone that like, you know, doubles down into this echo chamber. And I'm like, I actually think that this is like gone too far, too much BS or just trying to be too contrarian. So yeah, I end up just like unfollowing people. and I, I follow less and less. And I, and then because I'm not on the content creation side, I'm not creating any value on, on Twitter. And I can see where this is becoming an issue, right? For uh, overall revenue and, and daily active use. Um, for so sure. overall for me, like a 3.8, I think that they definitely can turn a lot of this stuff around, right? Like we talked about the mechanics of Twitter that make it really easy to be content creators and consumers. You know, if you tell someone, hey, like put a gun in their head, write 280 characters about something that you care passionately about. That doesn't seem like that's a big barrier <laughs> or like that that <laughs> difficult, right? So I think that there's probably some way to make Twitter um, like the most consumed and used social media platform. It's just like, it just seems like very easy to do. Um, or not very easy, sorry. But like, it just seems like logically like the the lower lowest barrier of entry and something that you can get people to do pretty quickly. I don't know how you'd monetize it. I think that's definitely a really tough problem to have, right? Um, yeah. But I've heard like, oh, they're going to monetize blue check marks, and that kind of feels weird. And ads versus ad free, sure, like not not that huge of a deal to me. I am really curious about how Twitter is going to make money. I think we'll see what happens once uh, Elon takes the helm. Yeah, totally. And and the last thing I'll say is it makes me think about. Uh, what you said about hot takes, it feels like, you know, Twitter is just full of like Skip Bayless personalities where yeah. someone just wants the spiciest take possible right. just to, to get into that echo chamber. But then like that just forces you. Well, they're the incentivized to, to do it, right? Like they're incentivized. Yeah, exactly. Like when you say something really left field, you get two two things that happen. People that like, if it's really bipolarizing, uh, you're going to get people that are like, oh, I totally agree with you. Retweet, retweet. Or, hey, you're an idiot. Retweet, retweet. Both of those end up with retweet, retweet, which is great for you as someone who's on Twitter and like engaging. And um, yeah, people are just like totally incentivized to like say things that split people up. Yeah, no, I love it. Well, this is definitely longer, but a good episode. Those are our thoughts on Twitter. And we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So definitely continue to reach out to us. And we you know, really appreciate all the engagement. You know, all the folks that have emailed us, reached out to us on DMs, on social media. But yeah, please continue to do that. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Prodex Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. Definitely leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well. We've been seeing a couple of those trickle in, so that's awesome. Uh, And yeah, we'll see you next episode.